Welcome to Hit the Six. The sun's shining. Zach Crawley scored a double hundred. All is well with the world. Michael, very quickly, how are you? You enjoying the test match at the moment? Yeah, I am. I'm slightly in shock. Although I shouldn't be in shock because, as you know, I always back Josh Butler and Crawley, and they've come good. So I just, I'm glad that my faith is vindicated. Well, we, we have had some slightly more accurate predictions of our last podcast compared to previous ones. We did suggest that Josh Butler now might go on, kick on and have a great series. We did say the second test would be a washout, and it was. So maybe we're finally finding some form, which is encouraging. No, it was class. I mean, uh, it's like the RKO out of nowhere for me. Like, I did not see Crawley doing that, but he just batted at such a good pace. Um, scored that many runs in, in two days. It's outrageous. But yeah, I think... The test is pretty much secured, isn't it? It is, it is. But we won't discuss that fully today. We'll have another podcast to look back on the, the test series once this third test match is over. In England, you imagine the state their game is at the end of day two uh, will inevitably win. Uh, so today we're doing something a little bit different, harking back to our, our earliest series we had, where we picked our England 11 of the 21st century, really, 2000 through 2020. Uh, we realised that the 11 we picked were... They were all just quite good players, weren't, we? weren't they, Michael? There wasn't any rogue picks, slightly unusual characters making, making our team. Yeah, there's no humour. And so England, being England, have picked uh, a large number of very average or slightly bizarre players over our lifetime, let alone through its long, long history. And so to discuss it, we've got um, your housemate, Nick Harris, and also uh, another friend of ours from uni, Linus, uh, to basically pick a, a rogue, bizarre, our kind of cult England eleven of the, of the last 20 years. Uh, let's start with you, Linus. How are you? Very well, chaps. How are you? Yeah, well, fantastic. As I, I was saying just before we started, I, I was hating cricket this time yesterday, but a good win yeah. from club cricket, a couple of wickets, and I love it again. I, I, I found myself yesterday watching, watching the test match at about half past four, a, a strange phenomenon of being a little bit bored of watching two England bats, batsmen just crack on came over me and I was I was very confused by by watching such a such a, a long innings but it was it was brilliant they both Croy and Butler played superbly they did they did and Nick how, how are you good thank you glad to be on the show thanks for inviting me has to be said it was actually Nick's idea this this particular show which I next so fair play to Nick <laughs> um well thank you for the idea Nick and thank you both for joining us I suppose well let's get cracking and, and the first thing I thought I was reflecting on this last night as I drifted off to sleep, is that when you look at Test match teams and you look at the number, everyone, every player has a number, the number they've been selected for their team. And England's number of players they've selected is so high compared to everyone else. So we've got, it must be, they're what, in the high 600s, approaching 700. Australia, who obviously have been playing Test cricket as long as us, are still only in the 300s, low 400s. India in the high 200s. Pakistan in the 200s. Now, granted, we haven't played as many Test matches as... Um, we've played more Test matches, sorry, than a lot of those countries. But we do seem to love picking very random players for just a handful of games. And so, look, very quickly, what, why do we think that is? Any thoughts on... Why we just think, yeah, you know, you, you've scored 100 for Kent. We're now going to pick you for one game and then never see you again. I think before central contracts, there wasn't any security, right? And so it was just a bit of a merry-go-round. And it was very much like if the media got behind you, you'd get called up. And it kind of is still the case now. But the central contracts provide a bit more security and a bit more stability. I think it was particularly the 90s, right? Where that number absolutely flew upwards. 90s and early noughties. 
yeah, fair, yeah. fair point. I suppose on, on top of that as well, now there is this culture of squad rotation. You know, there was the interesting stat that came up um, during, during the previous test match that Rory Burns, I think it was the first time, he was the first player to go past 20 games since Joss Butler, despite the fact that Butler had first been picked about seven years before or something. And, and actually, this, you know, the, the, if you look at the list of players who have played for England in the past kind of couple of years, so many of them have only played a couple of games. Um, despite a lot of test cricket being played in that time, and this you know the, the constant rotation because of the heavy workload means that we pick a lot more players at least these days. So no. just having a quick look at the uh, our list of test match players, it seems that we we were quite prolific during the interwar years. Now my knowledge of um, England cricket between 1919 and uh, about 1945, is fairly limited. You guys might be able to fill me in being the experts, but we seem to have hit that 300 number by 1939. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys can shed some light on me for that one. I wonder if they gave players the kind of, it was a bit of a, yeah, you get called up for a game, he's around, just pick him. And you, it was just who was available, presumably more amateur players playing. And if someone was working or... Or whatever. I mean, I remember Mike in it's different sport, granted rugby, but my grandfather was, which was just after the Second World War, was looking like he was going to play for England. And then he got called off to Kenya with the army. And so he never got a play. And so some other bloke played two games. And then that bloke got called off to the army. And then someone else came in and played. And so I wonder if there's a, a bit of that, whether things like perhaps Empire and people being halfway around the world and, oh, we've got tours of India and we're a man down. You're not shipping some bloke from Nottinghamshire, but you're just finding some guy who's working in part of the sort of imperial infrastructure in India and ship him in for a game. Maybe that. Well, I mean, in the post-war years, there was another hundred in the 10 years after the war. They, yeah, I think you're probably right, Rob. And because it was still a game that was becoming professional, a lot less consistency in selection and also a lot less consistency in terms of people making their main livelihood, so it being everything they did, right? Yeah. And we did play a lot more test cricket than pretty much any other country like most other t- countries that played test cricket before world war ii were probably playing england so they, you'd have a couple of games like an Austra- australia v new zealand but basically it'd be australia v england india v england new zealand v england south africa v england and so that's probably another reason why we cycled through a number of players but anyway we digress england over the last 20 years they have still managed to pick a number of interesting players and we were reflecting mainly bowlers so should we start there because there's a, there's a lot to go through bowlers and then so instead of working from batsmen through the bowlers we work in reverse order get our bowling attack sorted and then fill in the rest that might be better I think Nick's got a pretty prime contender he's not actually a test player but he is a repeated ODI pick almost made it to the test team who could be a contender for number 11 so are we doing, so are we saying anyone who's played for England in any format in the last 20 years makes this composite 11? So they don't have to play test cricket, they don't have to have, or is that, is that is those the rules? I, 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 I like those rules. We can always bend them a little bit as we go along. Yeah, had a lot of rubbish play ODI in the past few years as well. I think let's keep it mainly test, but mm. if there's someone who really needs a mention, and I think this guy does, particularly because of his bowling stat, then we get him in the discussion. Great, so well, Nick, then, Nick with the number 11. I would like to throw uh, Jade Winston Dernbach into the uh, into the ring and into the discussion here because obviously I think he was worthy of a call up. Um, his his domestic stats speak for themselves with Surrey. I mean, he's obviously a specialist limited overs bowler, 
but he just never did it for England. I remember watching him bowl in ODIs internationally. And I'm not sure if he got a run out in a big comp. Did he get a run out in like a Champions Trophy or a World Cup sort of thing? I think he might have played in a gap between tournaments. I feel like I feel like he was one of those bowlers that kind of like acts as a bit of a bridge between tournaments but doesn't actually play in them. I might be wrong. I only have memories of him getting pumped playing in England in ODIs. No, no, no recollection of him leading the line in a, in a tournament. But maybe, maybe he did. What's his economy, Nick? Because I'm pretty sure he got labelled the most expensive bowler to ever bowl for England with like a, a minimum qualification of overs. Yeah, his, his ODI's, ODI uh, economy rate, and this was back before, you know, scores of 400 were, um, were common and 300 was the par, you'd say. He was still going at well over sixes, which isn't really good enough for, a, for an ODI bowler, you'd say. You're, you're, you're sort of specialist ODI bowler. I do have vivid memories of him just bowling back of the hand slower balls that would just get carted. For yeah, and me just yelling at my TV, bowler fast Yorker, bowler and it, fast Yorker. And it doesn't, doesn't help when you look at him and think he's probably been out in Tiger Tiger the night before sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was, they were the most, I've never seen someone bowl a more easy to pick slower ball. He prided himself on his slower balls, but honestly you could see him from a mile away as his whole arm turned round out the back of the hand. And he also yeah. has the worst tattoo sleeve uh, of any I think I, I, I think he gets a place in the side simply for sort of fashionable looks because he is he is the most ridiculous looking England player. Um, almost, or, you know that 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 alone puts him in at number eleven. I would have thought. Also, his nickname's Dirtbag on cricket. Right? <laughs> Says all you need to know. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Rob doing his editing job on this podcast because uh, Jay Dernbach actually came on our good friends. Um, podcast and he was actually a really good bloke and I was going to say that in defence of him. <laughs> um, well, I'm pleased to hear that. I'm really pleased to hear that. I'm sure he's a, I'm sure he's a lovely man. You can I just remember he had some very nice wedding photos. He got married like in Tuscany or something. And there's beautiful photos of all the Surrey squad mm-hmm. out there. They were having a great time and he, he was looking very dapper. Terrific bang average figures of, uh, of th- he's, he's in th- 32 for 6. Is uh, 32.6 is his, his first class bowling average. So he's, uh, yeah, I, I would say you can't have anyone who is, who is hitting below 30 in that, in that bowling lineup. So I would, I would put him in there. Great. Well, well we're picking them. Is it? Yeah. All right. So I feel like this could be quite a spin heavy attack in terms of picking because <laughs> it just seems like I've, all of our rogue picks are spinners. But I I've, got a, I've got a good pace contention to throw in there as well. So we don't just pack it all with spinners. So, do you remember the curious case of, of uh, Darren Pattinson? Yeah, he was one of mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, this is, one of, this is one of Cricket's lovely little stories, isn't it? Where, where in, so, in 2008, I think it was 2008 against South Africa, up, up at Headingley, and someone is injured. Now, I can't remember who it was. Um, and the obvious call-up would have been Matthew Hoggard, you know, a couple of hundred test figures his name, you know, well-known around the England side. I think Steve Harmonson had been, had been playing pretty well up at Durham as well at the time. And instead, the selectors went for the the little known. Um, now it's it's he he was English, but he you know branded very much by fans and commentators alike as an Australian of Darren Patterson, who of course is the the older brother of, of uh, James Patterson, the Aussie, Aussie current Aussie fast bowler. Um, had played less than twenty first class games, didn't have anything particularly special to say for himself. 
Um, and uh, I believe that it was known that Michael Vaughan was informed whilst he was having his breakfast that who, this was who, they, who they'd who they picked, uh, but he had no idea who he was. Yeah, no one um, knew who he was. Ken Peterson, yeah. like, said he, he turned up and literally no one in the team had heard of him. And one one yeah. player played against him once. That was it. Utterly he, actually. He played 11 first-class matches in his entire career, two weeks shy of his 29th birthday, Side bottom injured, and they thought this is the guy. Yeah, side bottom, that was it. Yeah, and he returned the handsome figures of about two for ninety, from yeah. what I remember. Yeah, um, he bowled, so I think the funny thing about him was he bowled okay. It wasn't like the kind of like an Ali Deer to give a football reference kind of pick. This random guy who is like lied on his CV to get played or been picked out of absolutely nowhere and been hopeless. He bowled. He bowled fine. Hmm. He, I mean, he had taken. He had taken 29 wickets at 20 for Nottinghamshire that season. So they picked okay, so, so he, had, he had some decent returns. But I suppose it, 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 the, at the time, that was when the selectors, like, it, was, it was totally attritional to try and get into the England team. Like, it was quite a set team at that point. And, and then for them to, to go for somebody, you know, very rogue, essentially, was, uh, was fascinating. Yeah. And at Headingley as well. Probably wouldn't have been the place you'd want to be thrown in to have your debut, but... Instead of picking Hoggard at his home ground, it was bizarre. Yeah, Absolutely. it was bizarre. Good one, to, good one to nail in then. So the two, and I've, I've got one for third Seema, and that's Amjad Khan, who, again, another very random pick. Um, but, a, but a lovely little bowler in his, in his own way. Um, do you have any memories of him particularly, Michael? Well, I didn't realise that I reckon he might be the only to, to play test cricket for England who was born in Copenhagen. Um, a Danish fast bowler but no you know what I've got very few memories of him except I think I picked him a couple of times on a Brian Lara cricket game and he wasn't bad but um, that's about as far as my memory extends of him how did he do in the tests? Well Not firstly bad. that nugget about Copenhagen is, is superb um, and actually I can see on his quick info that he has played for Denmark as well um, well his one test he was um, one for 111 uh, was his best fig- figures in the innings and one for 122 in the match so, not brilliant. Went at 4.2 and over. Didn't even get to bat. Um, very odd. Played one T20. Scored two. Two for 34 was his best figures, meaning he went, he went at eight, eight, yeah, 8.5 and over in that game. I mean, underwhelming. That's very underwhelming. Unfortunate. When, when you get called up, it's like getting called up to play with the first 11 and hardly getting a bowl, not getting a bat. You know, getting stuck down at fine leg or something. You know, it's the sort of game that and you uh, never ask back. You never ask back. That no one talks to you, makes you question uh, why why you got into cricket in the first place. Yeah, it is one of those. Although having said that, he's had some handsome figures in his later career. I see that the last um, game he played was against Bermuda for Denmark in Los Angeles, and he took three for fourteen. So right for some. It must be one of the most fun games of cricket to watch. What a brilliant, what a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant lineup that was. Can I just, um, I want to chuck in before we select him, um, uh, Sajid Mahmood. I think he also has got to count as a pretty rogue selection in, what, how many tests did he play? Four? Eight. Eight, okay. Um, and never quite clicked, I would say. And I think he kind of belongs in that, in that pile of bowlers who kind of, England would try lots of different people. Maybe not in the same category as Amjad Khan, though. And he's one of those ones where when commentators get like a little nugget, they pull out every time he does anything. And for him, it was that he was Amir Khan's cousin. 
And they used to say this at every opportunity. Literally, they'd be like, oh, he's on for his second spell today, Sasha Bermud, cousin of Olympic silver medalist, Amir Khan. They've got the same nose, which isn't very good for Sajid Bermud because he's not a boxer, whereas Amir Khan is. So that explains why Amir Khan's nose looks like that. But um, yeah, I've, maybe he's not, maybe he doesn't deserve to be in this selection. I think for me, it's more the fact that after he played for England, he just completely disappeared, didn't he? Didn't I mean like I think his career unraveled pretty quick. I thought he had a decent career at Lancashire. Um, never really got in amongst the uh, the England stuff again. But he's got some fairly decent, like 121 first class games. Did he move to limited overs? Quite like I can't remember him becoming a bit of a limited overs session. I, I think he had a decent run in the ODI team. I think he... Yeah, he played 26 games with the, in the ODI. ODI. Yeah. Yeah, maybe oh, I I withdraw my nomination. Said you. Yeah, for economy, economy of five 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 point eight five in in ODIs, which you know probably in that era of ODI cricket wasn't particularly spectacular, but a little bit pricey. So should we put Amjad Khan? Yeah, so Amjad Khan. I think he's he'll bat at ten. We'll put Darren Pattinson at nine, and um, Jade Dernbach at eleven. So that's a that's a pretty. Oh, that's a fiery, fiery lineup that is. Yeah. And then the spinners. I think we've got to play at least two spinners, given how many there are. So I'm just going to list a few that came to mind. I, I thought Scott Borthwick, Liam Dawson as an all-rounder option, um, Sean Udall. That was a really bizarre one. Gareth Batty getting picked again when he was nearly 40. Um, Simon Kerrigan. That was a disaster. So, I mean, Samit Patel, Mason Crane. Mason Crane, of course. Yeah. Mason Crane was so good at school. I played against him at school and he was ridiculous. So I still kind of, I harbour hopes that he'll come good because he was very good. Bowling brilliantly in the um, Bob Willis trophy this season. But I think you still got, you can still pick him because of how outrageous a pick is at the time. Like you've got hopes for someone to come good. You can still pick what was an outrageous pick. Should we we talk about Gareth Batty actually? Because I had that down. I mean, was it the longest time between a first and second appearance? Well, certainly the longest gap between your last appearance and your most recent. Definitely that. It was a good decade plus. What was it 15 years, 16 years? No, maybe not quite that. 12, 12 years. But anyway, a, a long time. And yeah, he's such, a, he's such a rowdy bloke as well, which is one of the odd things about him. I know that he, because um, he left Worcestershire under a bit of a cloud when he moved to Surrey. And on a couple of returns to New Road, he's... Um, yeah, been pretty, said some pretty outrageous things to 80-year-old members sitting in the pavilion. Of, you know, sort of... He's not well-liked at Worcestershire Cricket Club. No, he's not. And he... Yeah, and he sort of came in with real confidence, but then just didn't bowl that well, which was hardly surprising, because he was nearly 40. And it, from what I can remember, just being so ineffective on those um, subcontinental pitches. Um, and, but yeah, it was quite a nice story, I suppose. But I never really warmed to him. Mainly because I never walked to so, but yeah, I'm not sure if he makes it in though. Because how was it an outrageous pick? Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, it was a little bit, but we were, we we're always struggling to spin options, which is why these guys get called up without having really proven themselves. And that's what makes the Darren Pattinson or the Amjad Khan selection so surprising, is we always have so many seam bowlers who are very good, but with spinners, apart from three or four, we're always scratching around for for someone and so you can get called up having taken one fifer um, because they think oh well he's bowled one team out maybe he can bowl out India in India well if we're talking about like road court Mason Crane that was the most bizarre selection taking as I was a spinner with kid who bowled barely any first class overs and then 
I think he did play, didn't he, in, in the final test of that He did, one. and he, he went for about one for, one for 150, possibly even 190 or something. I mean, that was, you know, he, he must have been 20 in that, in that game, you know, off the back of a long, very hard tour. Um, and, to, you know, I, I, I watched him at Headingley once, uh, not, pl- not playing, but in, in sort of in the, in, the, in the lunch and the tea interval, just bowling at a single stump sat in the stands, I thought, you know, I think as everybody did, you know, that guy, he can really turn the ball. You know, he looked, he looked the part. Um, and there was so much pressure around him. And, and I think it's this unique thing with leg spin, isn't it? You know, the, the leg spin must be good. Like there's no, you know, you can't, you can't have a half-assed game as a leg spinner. And I think there was just so much pressure on him to, you know, to, to do something really special. And there was a lot from the media to say, get him in the team, you know, give him a go. You don't just give someone a go in the last Ashes test. That's just the but you are throwing. We should have been like, throwing them to the Lions. Um, but it was because he's been so successful with New South Wales. He'd been like the first legitimate overseas player there since I think Imran Khan in the 1980s. And so it's off the back of that, they thought, oh, he's well, he's bowled well in Australia already. He's played at the SCG before. Let's pick him. I think that was like the the rationale, but it was definitely definitely too early. I think I think Kerrigan as well has got to be well. I mean, poor Kerrigan. It's actually quite nice because he's now signed a new contract with Northamptonshire, hasn't he? Um, a couple of years after his last first-class game, but shame he must still have nightmares about Shane Watson. Yeah, it was. I was at the Oval for that, and it was it was pretty tough. They picked him and Wokes. Obviously, Wokes has gone on to do to do fine, but neither of them did brilliantly on, on debut. And yes, another just started biffing him. Another another spinner for your for your contention is James Treadwell. Which is a more, a slightly less rogue pick. I mean, one of the most horrible bowling actions I could possibly remember. Um, and you know, obviously, I mean, he was he was sort of you know he was obviously he was, he was Swan's understudy and sort of you know he did he did okay in the ODI team. You know, he sort of became a bit of a major fixture, and then they tried to sort of transition him into the Test team as well in in a couple of instances. And just the classic case of you know a, a county spinner. Who really had no credentials? Um, Everyone's you know. played against someone at village cricket who looks like James Treadwell as well. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the team I played yesterday had someone who looked a bit like James Treadwell, and another one who looked like um, Samit Patel. So that is the great thing about cricket: they come in all shapes and sizes. Um, and in fact, the blade like Samit Patel should have been their match winner until he bottled it on about fifty. But there we go. Um, other spinners for me Sean Udall I know Michael likes him so he's going to try and not let him get picked but he was 36 mm. and hadn't had a spectacular county career and they just threw him in away at India against Tendulkar Laxman Dravid Ganguly Sewak he, he did win England the match he did bowl very well 4 for 14 is best best bowling well, there you go he can't be in well I think he should be in because that is so rogue and then he did so well and then hardly ever got picked again Oh, it's how many spinners are we picking? Because Mason Crane can't not be picked. Like, he has to be picked. Can I also throw in, and this, this is more one for the all-rounder spot, but it is another spinner. Um, and I know it was someone that was thought very highly of, but his career aspirations were elsewhere. And that's Zafar Ansari. Um, obviously a very, very handy cricketer who had, uh, I think, three tests, three test caps um, before uh, leaving cricket rather bizarrely, to pursue a career uh, in law, I believe. I have actually seen him on Southwest trains, and the saddest thing is 
uh, we actually went past Vauxhall, so like the station you get off for the Oval. Mm. And I just stared at him just to see if like there was there was any sort of recognition of that. Well, just if like that's his commute, he's probably pretty used to going past. <laughs> he's literally lived in the area his entire life. I don't think that would have bothered him too much. I must be cried every time going past Vauxhall. I was hoping just to see a single drop of tear roll down his cheek as he as he remembered his his famous days playing for England but um well he was just never good enough like he's never gonna be good enough to play top top level for England I think he knew it and he was like right that's that then and I actually haven't while I'm jealous of anyone who's good enough to play cricket professionally and would never give it up myself if I could I think but I kind of respect it if you kind of think right I've got as good as I can get I'm not going to get to the top level I'm done I don't know that for me there's a bit of respect there. It's a weird one. It's like, um, is it Asua Kotu, um, the old fullback at Spurs, who didn't really like football. He wanted to be a DJ, um, whereas Zafarin, sorry, wasn't really a massive fan of cricket. Um, it was just part, part of his life, something that he did that he happened to be really good at. And I think as a, as a cricket fan and someone who, growing up, always wanted to be a cricketer, it's, it's so sad to see someone just not, not love being at the top of that yeah. sport. Do you think? Do you think it's harder for spinners when spinners get dropped? And you know, we've okay. So we've no, we've noted the fact that you know, on that list of of players who have played since two thousand, you know, a large handful of them are spinners. Do you think it is harder as a spinner because there is such an examination of your technique and adapting to Test cricket? You know, often you you will get hit. There will be batsmen who will go at you. Do you think it's harder for spinners? Definitely, because every spinner gets hit for sixes and like look at Yasir Shah Butler who started clubbing him towards the end of day one in this test match and he's one of the best spinners in the world so every spinner players go after um, and it's if you can't really recover or people are expecting that and it's oh I told you so I knew he wasn't that good uh, it, it does become does become tricky well, and once the batsman really thinks they've got your number and can and are confident just keep hitting you I will say, as a spinner who's been hit for lots of boundaries in my short cricketing career, when someone comes after you as a spinner and they've got your number, unlike a fast bowler who you feel like can rank, can rank put up the pace, put a bounce with, something like that, you can fight back a bit. You don't quite know what to do as a spinner because, you know, you feel a little bit, you feel like you've got a few less weapons in your armory to fight back against someone who's absolutely bludgeoning you everywhere. And yeah, it's so mental, isn't it? It's a, like, bowling spin is a really, you have to be really mentally strong. Yeah, and you've got to keep, and really often the way, particularly if they're hitting you down the ground straight, you've just got to keep, keep giving it more air and more air until they sky one, which, take, which does take a lot of um, guts, really. So yeah. Bishan Bailey, the Indian spinner in what, must be in the 60s, 70s, um, he used to do that. He literally get hit for six, he'd lob it even higher, get hit for six, higher, higher, until eventually sky corner boundary. Um, but to do that, to have that confidence that this is going to, he's, I'm going to get him out by just lobbing up one for him to hit. Mm. That takes guts. In a way with a, um, they didn't do very well on this test, but the Pakistan seamers could go Yorker bouncer, Yorker bouncer, or Shaheed and the 3D stomach is bowling wide outside of stump. It's very defensive. And you can yeah. kind of save your save with a face that way, in a way that yeah, I don't think spinners can do in, in quite the same way. You just wonder if, if spin bowling is just dying a little bit in test cricket. And we are digressing, I apologise. But, you know, a lot of these players, so Mason Crane's a good example. You know, he's explicitly said, like, I want to be a white ball spinner. You know, I'm not, he's, he's got very little, I mean, I know he's, he's done all right in Bob Willis Trophy, but he's, you know, he's got very little interest in, in trying to um, get back into the test team by the looks of things, or at least for now he does. 
because it's kind of an expectation that in ODI cricket you will get hit. Um, and in the short format of the game, you'll take a lot more wickets because people are going to go after you. So it almost sort of dampens that that kind of fear of being hit. Um, are, is, is that is that going to apply right across the test game? I'm not sure. Yeah, possibly. I, 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 without being too harsh, I think that's slightly cowardly. That's the coward's way out on that because I think, fine, yeah, but just play one one day cricket, take cheap wickets in a format that suits your type of bowling, or really try and push yourself and become one of those rare, real like test quality leg spinners. I think I think that shows a lack of ambition. If I'm, if I'm... Particularly seeing as England uh, have been crying out for a top quality leg spinner for as long as I can remember. Um, there is that position that is vacant and they just need someone to take that opportunity. And I mean, while we obviously had Swan, who's probably been the best spin bowler in tests we've had for the past 30 years, I think we've just always lacked that leg spinner to come in and really nail that spot. And no, no one's really well, taken that chance. Luckily, someone this winter's going to. Rob, I've really enjoyed because it's been a couple of weeks since we did a podcast. And Rob gave me a lot of stick a couple of weeks ago for mentioning <laughs> Adil Rashid. And since then, the bandwagon has well and truly been jumped on by multiple people, culminating in Ed Smith saying, yeah, we want Rashid back in, his shoulder's doing well, <laughs> and he's definitely going to get picked. Oh, well, mate, it's good, good to know this podcast has influence in the, <laughs> on the upper echelons of English cricket. That's all I can say. Um, we're gone. Let's, let's pick our, I think we picked two spinners. There's so many to pick from. I don't think we can just pick one. Um, Nick, we'll start with you. Who, who are your two spinners? Uh, so who did we have so far? Um, I, yeah, I think Mason Crane. There's a good shout for Mason Crane. I'll, I'm going to stick by Zaffa and Sari if we're thinking of a spinning all-rounder as well. It's true. We need all the batting we can get because there's, there's not that many rogue batsmen. So spinners who can bat will be helpful. For us too. All right, so you've said Crane and Zaffa and Sari. I'm going to say Crane and Gareth Batty. Nice. Yeah, I like that. What about you, Linus? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Crane, Crane and Treadwell. Nice leg spin, off spin. Doubly off spin, tricky leg spin combo. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go... I'm going to go Gareth Batty as well, like Michael, for the being 14 getting picked. And, and then for me, Sean Udall. Again, like late 30s getting picked, although he did do quite well. So I suppose that means Crane's got a couple of votes, well, three votes. Gareth Batty's got two. So there are spinners. So we've got a long, long old tail. Um, because Gareth Batty's probably going to have to come in at, what, eight? No, seven. Jade Dernbach, Darren Pattinson, Amjad Khan, Mason Crane and Gareth Batty. So we're not short on bowling options, but this team is going to be light on batting. But I suppose in a rogue 11, having a really poorly balanced team is all, is all part of the fun. A wicketkeeper then next, probably the, nat- the natural point to go. What do we think? Any, any big shouts? Because a lot of the wicketkeepers have been picked, have been perfectly fine with the gloves. It's just, so where, where are we going? England haven't picked many bad wicketkeepers. That is the thing. We've had decent wicketkeepers. I'm going to go... And people may disagree, but I'm going to go with Ollie Pope when he had to keep in South Africa because it was such a ridiculous squad that they didn't take a reserve wicketkeeper. So when Butler got injured, Ollie Pope had to keep, and that's just such a waste of Ollie Pope. So that's my that's my shout. Yeah, and it's not like we're short on good quality wicketkeepers either, with Stokes um, and Butler obviously, and then even Bairstow around. And um, you do slightly wonder what that was an odd one. And other shouts. I mean, for me, he's one of my favourite players, but I'm so happy picking him in this. Is Tim Ambrose just thrown in for a handful of games? Scored a lovely hundred in New Zealand, 
and then quickly forgotten about. But one of those here today... You've to get him in our all-time 11. Well, I know. I want him in both, mate. I'm a huge Tim Ambrose fan. He's got a, he's a lovely lad. Nice, you know, nice shiny cue ball head. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, really liked him. But, so Tim Ambrose, I think, was one of those we've just... Biggest picks. And then that was it. Uh, but right. he's a perfectly good wicketkeeper. Nick's got one, I think. I've got two, two names in mind here. Um, one is James Foster. Now, you're going to have to bear with me on this because James Foster is a legend of county championship cricket and I think he's one of the best wicketkeepers um, that English cricket has ever produced, like just out-and-out out great wicketkeeper. And I think there's something to be said about having just a good wicketkeeper in there. I think, obviously, over the past few years, it's been ideal to have a wicketkeeper who can bat and James Foster, you know, de- decent bat, but um, like known particularly for being an outstanding glovesman. And I just don't think he was given enough time. Yet. I think it's quite a sad, one of those sad stories of people who, one of those uh, English cricketers that just couldn't make it at test level, which is quite sad, particularly seeing as his successor or there or thereabouts successor was Geraint Jones, who's, who's for, for a, for a batting wicketkeeper, his average doesn't... It flatters to deceive, really. Quality, Des- quality Des- with the gloves, though, right, Rob? Oh, he was so average going, James. Because we can't pick him because he actually played for England quite a long time in 2005 Ashes. But he was average. Um, my other wicketkeeper one is he, he didn't play test cricket, um, but it's Phil Mustard. Because I think anyone whose surname is a condiment already goes about halfway up the list. Brilliant. Uh, and he was one of those ones. Yeah, played a couple of ODIs, didn't do that well, but he had a great name. And so I, I'd like him to be picked. It is, it is slim pickings. I mean, looking at, looking at this list, I mean, uh, so, so here, here are your wicketkeepers who've played for England in the 2000s. So Chris Reid, uh, James Foster, Grant Jones, Matt Pryor, Tim Ambrose, Johnny Bairstow, Josh Butler, Ben Folks, Ollie Pope in that solitary game last winter. Is there a case to say Ben Folks? Because based purely on the evidence of this summer, you know, okay, fine, there is a chance that he'll be picked if we, if we have some sort of tour of the subcontinent later this year. But is Ben Foyce just going to be one of those really tragic tales of England cricket where you've got someone who's made a lovely hundred, brilliant with the gloves, doesn't ever make it into the, into the test side in the long run? I see what you mean, but if we pick Ben Folks in a rogue England Test eleven, I'd be very, I'd be very sad. It probably goes against everything you've been saying over the past yeah, few weeks. Yeah, yeah, because he's not rogue; he's perfect. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're just marrying Michael. Oh, he's gorgeous, isn't he? Um, but I get what you mean because it's ridiculous. Like, are you kind of talking about the selection weirdness of it? Exactly. Yeah, that's my that's my. We've got to twist it with the wicketkeeper because, as as we've said, there are very there are very few terrible wicketkeepers who have played for England. So we got to twist it purely towards the the rogueness of it. I mean, well, we've got I, a few rogue one day wicketkeepers like Marcus Rescothic as wicketkeeper for England in the two thousand. So's Owen Morgan. Um, <laughs> so that's good. So that's a brilliant. That is a brilliant shout. I'll say Craig Keyswetter actually very sad the way his international career ended with the yeah. eye injury, but. He was an agricultural batsman to watch. Very effective. <laughs> and then, and then a, a very, we're looking for rogueness, a very rogue decision to try and become a pro golfer after retiring from cricket as well. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so who, who's going to make it into our team then? I'm, I'm pushing for Phil Mustard. I used to like his name. And he was he wasn't one of those bizarre picks. Again, we weren't short for other wicketkeeping options in, in one day cricket. <laughs> can, I, can I make a late shout here for Paul Nixon? 
And yeah, think, that was a weird pick. I think everyone has fond memories of uh, us having just won um, some tournament. I don't know if it was the Champions Trophy. It was, oh no, it was, it was a test. It was the ODI series after we'd been pumped in Australia. We won the ODI series in Australia. And Paul Nix and I remember vividly in the crowd, just absolutely loving life. He looks like he should have been in the crowd anyway, but he just happened to be wearing whites and his gloves. But his top score was only 49. His average was 21 in 19 ODIs. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a great record. Yeah, Paul Nixon, I think, is a really good shout, actually, because he was a slightly worried pick. Again, it's someone being picked in the twilight of their career, which is always nice to see. So, yeah, I like that. He's obviously only ODIs, but... Yeah, there's a good anecdote that he told, because he spoke at our university cricket club dinner thing didn't he? And he was good value. And he told right. my story of going out to bat with Kevin Peterson in the World Cup. And Peterson just kind of saying, like, right, get off strike and I'll, help, I'll score the runs. Because Peterson just thought he was so average. And um, literally, like, he played and missed the first one and Peterson's just sighing, like, rolling his eyes. Like, what the hell are you doing? Um, and then he, like, next one, he hits straight to the field there and Peterson's looking at him like, why can't you just hit it in the gap? And then the next one, he, he basically trapped LBW and Nixon thought he hit it, thought it, you know, it was a bit harsh. And so, you know, you look at your partner and think, oh, I've been hard done by that. And Peterson was just looking at him like, yeah, yeah, you're off, mate. And like basically pointed back, brilliant. Like, that's where you go. I'll have someone else in <laughs> um, So I think for that alone, really, I really enjoyed that story. I mean, he's a nice lad, um, but yeah, I, I like an odd pick. I think I'm going to vote for him, actually. I'm going to vote for Nixon. Yeah. I think based purely on that story alone, I think he, he merits, merits a place in the side. So okay, by telling you such a lovely story, you've managed to trump your mustard selection. Well, there we go. He's, he's in at six. So um... this is the worst batting lineup. <laughs> 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 All the, as I was saying, most of the we could have had Ollie Pope. Um, most of the road picks were were, bowl, were bowlers. I can only find you know bat, bats and I was scratching around really. Oh, no, well, just wait, okay, because it's about to get better. So should we should we throw Samit, some other? Samit Patel at five. Another spinner. It's a Bunsen burn of a pitch. He's a decent batsman, but like you said, Rob, he's a slightly weird pick always. Sam Patel for five. Oh, I don't know, mate. We've, I think we're, we're, we're flush with bowling options. My option for five is, well, it kind of linked to Sam Patel is Usman Aslal, who got called into the 2001 Ashes, hardly scored a run, got a 50 at the Oval, his home ground. He got a bit emotional. And then... Um, Carried the drinks in a winter tour and then turned up for, I think it was a tour to New Zealand and Duncan Fletcher thought he was too fast and so refused to ever pick him again. Um, so I think for a few test wonders, getting dropped because you're overweight and a, a genuine batsman rather than Samit Patel, let's be honest, as a second spinner who could bat a bit. Oh, I'm, going, I'm just going straight to Samit Patel's first class averages because that will not stand. Well, it'd be interesting to see what Samit's first-class batting average, but also his test batting averages. I feel, I feel like he was someone for, as a spin option, a bit lower down. And I also thought he was a more legitimate pick than some of the people we've picked so far. Like, he's a good player. He's, you know, I can see the yeah. logic of playing him in a way that some of these others maybe not. 26 first-class hundreds. That's outrageous. Yeah, I don't know if you can put him in there. He's, you know, I'm, you know he's, he was... Yeah, I, I would say a legitimate pick. Like, I, I think you know the reason the reasons for him him being dropped were, uh, uh, you know, not not necessarily justifiable. But uh, it's uh, I, I would have thought he was he could, Look, he could make a way I'm, into the side. I'm, I'm willing to have as many as I mean, he's got very few batsmen. I also like the fact that once he stopped playing cricket, he started running restaurants. Which oh, is that what he does now? I think so. I think he must. I think he must have stopped. I, you know, sometimes you just get into a cricket info hole and you just start reading different players' profiles from like the noughties. Maybe just me. 
but um, it's my Nafsar. And I read loads of articles about him, and um, and he's just a bit of a character. He, you're right. He he owned an Indian restaurant opposite Trent Bridge between 2013 to 2015. I think I've been there. <laughs> I went to Trent Bridge in 2015 for the. I was there for Stuart Broad eight for 15, bowled Australia out for 60, and we went for a curry opposite Trent Bridge straight after the game. Oh, yeah, that's that's that is wonderful. That's, that's poetic. That is. Well, there he is. He's in. He's in. And he's described on Quickinvo as a cocky, bare-knuckle batsman, which is a great description. What's a bare-knuckle batsman? <laughs> I think it means... I think it means... Like, <laughs> he batted without gloves. I think it means, like, kind of... Like, it's like a street cricket reference. In at four, Ben, ben Duckett, one of the most... Uh, sort of dreadful, 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 very short, probably final test careers. Um, although I believe he's played, has he played okay this season? I think he, he scored, he scored, he scored a hundred, he scored a hundred. Although we yeah. had a good story from um, our friend Robert Krauss about Ben Duckett playing school cricket, getting very, very upset when he got out because he didn't break the hundreds record and apparently just abused everyone on the pitch as he walks off and then for the rest of the game, basically just cried from the boundary, shouting abuse at people. So, I actually think Ben Duckett could be a decent selection for this. Yeah. Also, who pours a drink over Jimmy Anderson? That's, I mean, First I think I think that if we're starting to, if we're really expanding the selection criteria, I think pouring a pouring a drink or th- or even throwing a drink over England's most successful fast bowler is 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 worthy of selection. And he wasn't even on the Test tour. That was in Australia. No, he was still in the Lions. Lions. Wasn't he? Yeah. It's like you're not even. Who even are you? Don't even go here. Like. No, I think I actually quite rate that Ben Duckett shout. I've got a really good shout for free, actually. Yeah, yeah. But also with Ben Duckett, with all due respect to Bangladesh, I think your, your international career to be basically terminated by Bangladesh isn't great. Yeah. I know his last test was against India, but he's... Oh, yeah, watching Ashwin bowl to him was painful. Yeah, but, but he played performed so badly against Bangladesh, let alone, and that in, his, in the ODIs against Bangladesh, he played badly as well and didn't get picked since. So I think for that as well, at least if, you're, at least if your test career is getting ruined by Australia with the Gabba or something, you know, fair enough. But shocking, shocking facial hair. Always has been. And completely yeah. bottled the T20... Um, on finals day, the last summer, um, where they needed like four of the last three, he was set on about 50 and, threw, and threw it away against Worcestershire. Yeah. So that as well. Ben he Duck- could have been our wicketkeeper. Yeah, that's what that, that, I've, I've just I've just tweaked this actually that he could have he could have come in as a so well at least you've got we've got a backup in the squad at least so you know well, it's yeah. such a bad batting lineup anyway right. it's, it's it's the point <laughs> it's, number, <laughs> it's never going to be good yeah the yeah. uh, so number three. Scott Borthwick. Oh, yeah. not another spinner. No, but he's actually turned into a batsman. That's a legitimate true, thing. True. There was so much hype around Scott Borthwick. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to read you out the test he made his debut in the lineup because we were saying before this could make some of this could just make this team. Like, it goes, it's, it's the end of the whitewash, 2013 14 Ashes, Sydney, everyone's knackered. So you've got Cook, solid, Carberry, sadly, his last test. That was definitely unfair. Um, Anderson, Bell, Peterson, Gary Balance, Ben Stokes, Bear Stokes, all normal, right? Then Scott Borthwick as a leg spinner, um, Broad, and then Rankin, who I think hurt his hamstring, two, two balls in, and then could barely bowl for the rest of the game. That was Rankin's only test appearance for England. So Rankin actually probably should have been. A also shout. Irish. <laughs> also Irish. But I think Borthwick's a good shout for number three. Um, I think he might have the worst. Test stats as well of anyone anyone who we've who we've picked. So we played one game, scored five runs. <laughs> um, that, that was that was it. So How I think for your, for your number for your number three, 
Uh, he bowled. Oh, he got some cheap wickets as they tonked it towards the end of the innings. I remember. So he's got three. He's, yeah. He got yeah. So four, four for eighty-two. Four for eighty-two. So it's average. Yeah, he's got, got an average of twenty. So, but there were. But, but am I am I wrong in thinking that there was a lot of hype around Scott Borthwick before? Because he he had he had he scored a hat load of runs at Durham, um, and then and then was you know people were desperate to get him into the team. That was after his test call up. So he got called up as a leg spinner. And then he scored a load of runs at number three for Durham, almost made it back in as a batsman. They didn't pick him. He's now gone to Surrey and it's obviously gone a bit, gone a bit wrong. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose we are picking him in our row 11 at three, even though when he got picked for England, he was a leg spinner. But I mean, it's got to happen. We don't have, any, we don't have many other contenders. He, he was also like one of those names when we were growing up that's like, he's going to be, he's going to be massive. I've got a very good contender for opener and this will, this will cause controversy. I, I think uh, he might be the same one as me. As a pure, as a pure uh, pick, Ed Smith. Oh wow! Okay, because like well, so Ed Ed Smith three three obviously England national selector, um, so played three Test matches. I think scored about a total of about sixty seventy runs. Um, scored a nice nice half century in his in his uh, maiden Test match, and it was just after just after Nasser Zain's resignation. So you know, ideal position. It looked like the opener spot was going to become available pretty soon. Um, and and it, and he just flopped, and it is you know he has he scored an in, an incredible number of of tons in the in the county championship. You know, lovely batsman to watch and everything. And then obviously now has gone on to have such a such a huge role in the England side. You know, really shaping shaping the future of English cricket um, from three Test matches. Yeah, and and really he's the perfect person to captain this side as the selector. Yeah, who actually in his defence hasn't picked too many really rogue picks so far. There's been right. a few controversial ones, but I think he's, he's, he's done actually a really good job. But there still feels something fitting that the current England selector should be the captain of our 11 yeah. terrible selections. There is one beautifully poetic thing about it as well, is that Ed Smith got his way into the, into the England side from the back of six centuries for Kent. And obviously his first act as selector was to bring Joss Butler back into the side, having made exactly no runs in the county championship um, and a lot of runs in the IPL. So it shows you how much, how much cricket changed in the time between Ed Smith was selected for the England team and he became the selector of the England team. I don't mind Ed Smith being in there. I quite like the idea of having our chief selector in a, in a row. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a really, I have a shout for the other opener, which I think Nick is going to not like at all. But Moeen Ali as an opener. It was a ridiculous pick, and it was never going to work. But he did open for England for three tests, was it, in the UAE? In the context of opening bat, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've always rated him in, as an opener in uh, limited overs cricket. Do we need another spinner, though? Yeah, four, four, four. spin attack. <laughs> no, four, no, five, isn't it? We're up to five. Look, with this batting lineup, we're going to need to bowl them out for about 40. We're going to need to pitch to be explosive. <laughs> at this point, every one of our players can bowl. Ben Duckett can't bowl. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to put Murray and Ali out there. Happy I, for other yeah, I'm just hesitant of picking anyone who's had, like with the Ollie Papers wicketkeeper, terrible selection, no doubt. But like having like a rogue team with like Amjad Khan and Usman Assal and Ben Duckett and then Murray and Ali in there or... Ollie Pope in there. It, I, don't, I just don't like it. He's a good player. It's a great career. Can we talk? We should, right, how about Keaton Jennings versus Pace then? Oh. Well, this is there. There is there, you know obviously there is the decade long period that now thankfully looks like it's come mm. to an end of Test openers that have have lived and died. Um, you know, playing playing for England. I mean, can can we name them all? 
Adam Lyde, Alex Hales, um, did Mo- Moeen Ali, Joe Root. Could ben you put Duckett. Joe Root, Joe Root as an opener? Well, you so, did okay, Root. And Ben Duckett. He did do okay. Nick Compton, Sam Robson, Michael Carberry. Yeah. Um, yeah, Michael Carberry's a good shout. Actually, Jason Roy, Mark Stoneman, yeah, yeah, Jason Roy, yeah, the great Ooh. Jason Roy experiment. Jason Roy, Hamid, oh yeah, Michael's favourite. Yeah, you could have Jason Roy actually. Jason Roy could be a good shout. That's how ridiculous it was. Well, that would be that would be very fitting with Ed Smith as well. He'd be batting alongside the person who picked him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what, Rob? So I did the googling before this, and I was looking at England worst Test eleven, and you'll never guess they named a former guest of ours as one of the, as one of the openers. Oh, they put Tim Curtis in there. They put Tim Curtis as, as the worst opener of one of, like, of one of England's worst Test 11s. And I thought it was so harsh. That is harsh. That is harsh. I mean, he didn't get past 50. Can I just give you the description? He played just five tests with an average of fraction above 15 and really struggled for his runs. Striking at a rate of 27, he was hardly a crowd pleaser. And his mode appeared to be just survival rather than building an innings. A former teacher, he was certainly taught a few lessons by the West Indies and Australian quakes. <laughs> brutal. That is brutal. I'm very up to date because former teacher, he only retired about 18 months ago. So yeah, they do their homework this quick. Yeah, time. kudos to the UK. Yeah. Um, my other ones, when I was looking at top order batsmen, now we're not going to pick these guys because they weren't legitimate picks, but um, I noticed that Ravi Bapara never has zero test 50s to his name. So he only, every time he passed 50, he turned it into 100. Which I thought was wow. nice. And then fitting is Zach Crawley's now in this boat as well. Rob Key is one of the only players with um, a test double hundreds and no test hundreds. Wow. Because he, the one time he went past three figures, he went and went, went very big. I yeah, don't think that's a fair enough text, but I, that, I, guess, I just thought it was a nice nugget to, to share with the world. Yeah, definitely. Then so is Zach Crawley an exclusive club at the moment then? Yeah, and then there's, called, there's Karun Nair, the Indian batsman. He's got a triple hundred against England. So he's the only test cricketer with no test hundreds, no test double hundreds, and only a test triple hundred. In fact, I don't think he even has a test 50. Wow. So he scored 300 against England once, and then otherwise he hasn't got past 30. I, I'm going to really make a strong case. Actually, oh, Alex Hale is a test opener. God, that feels like a long time ago. Um, but I'm going to make a really strong case here. Keaton Jennings, because watching Keaton Jennings open against pace is sometimes so painful. I remember one particular dismissal, which was LBW, and he seemed to try and get out of the way of it. And he was sort of swaying as it hit him on the ankle in front of middle stump. And it is bizarre how he can be so good against spin, but against pace, he just looks so at sea. Yeah, and the opening batsman playing for England, he can't, can't face swing or seam bowling. Seems well, slightly, slightly problematic. The, the weird one about Jennings was he, he was still touted um, to, to get a call up for England despite just having shocking seasons yeah. in the counter championship. Just continu- continually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was good against spin three years ago. Yeah. I think Adam Leith uh, deserves a bit more of a, of a look into this team. Um, he struggled because his, 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 he averages about 20, and he, he was obviously one of these just on this infamous conveyor belt of uh, Alistair Cook trialled opening partners. And I think we all remember life as being part of that 2015 Ashes series. Um, the one where you had standout performances from Root, from Cook, Moeen Ali, Stuart Broad as well. And then you just had 
life in there with nine innings, uh, 111 runs to to add to that uh, to that great I, victory. I want, I really wanted him to do well because I followed his Facebook page, and after every game, there'd be paragraphs about how honoured he was to have taken part, mm. how much he was working hard to turn it around. And I was just, every time I read them, and I was like, oh, he can do it. Next test, he'll do it. And he never did. I was high score of 37 in that, in that 2015 Ash series. It was, uh, it was pain, painful. As a, as a Yorkshire fan, it was painful to watch. Because, he, you know, he's, he's done fine in the county championship over the years. He's just, you know, I think there is, a, there is a common thread running through this of a number of players who we've selected or, or considered selecting who, you know, have done, done very well in the county championship and they've gone into the test level and just flopped. Yeah, I mean, with, with lies, I remember being at the Oval for the last test of that Ashes and <clears throat> bumping into my dad. I wasn't sitting with him. And I said, oh, it's okay. I'm doing all right. Dad was like, yeah, great. Haven't lost the wicket yet. I was like, well, lives out. He was like, oh, I don't count him. Um, which is absolutely savage from my dad. But I do think kind of summed it up by the end that he was yeah. literally a walking <laughs> wicket. All right, so who are we going to pick? Let's, let's round this up. So who's, who's our other opener going to be? I'm, I'm saying live. You're saying live. Yeah. I, I think I'll have to go for life as well. Yeah, for Linus. I feel like Adam. Like, there was, uh, there were equally as bad other ones from the cook, the cook merry-go-round. Um, so I'm going to go Jason Roy. I'm going to say Alex Hales because I just think he's a rotter, and I can't believe he played Test <laughs> <laughs> Like, actually, can we just talk about that? Because Alex Hales played like Alex Hales, who now can't get in the one-day side because of attitude issues and infamous Snapchat user. Alex Hales yeah. played test cricket for England yeah. for quite a few quite, tests. Quite a lot, yeah. Can you like, imagine if you, if you were the one stuck in the dressing room with Ben Duckett and Alex Hales? Oh, that, it's not. Not the Nottinghamshire dressing room. It's full of rotters. And you've met them, haven't you, Rob? Oh, yeah. I had a run-in with the Nottinghamshire squad at a, a Loughborough Christian Union event um, about 18 months ago. Oh, he's definitely not going to pick Alex Hales. Like, come on. He's got such terrible credentials. I... I don't know, he, he, five fifties in 11 matches? That's not too yeah. bad. No, I'm I think talking I, about I think the man, Adam... not the stats. I'm talking about the <laughs> stats. <laughs> are, are we picking this team based on personality or are we... Yeah, yeah there's a lot of factors. I, I, I'm just upset that I only recently realised, like in the last five minutes, realised Alex Hale played test, played test cricket for England. Mike, also, Mike, I'm going to push back on this. He's a good cricketer. Fine, you know, very, very excellent one-day player and did okay-ish in tests, certainly better than Adam yeah. Lyle. Uh, and, you know, I think... Alex Hales, he's made his mistakes. There's no doubt about that. And he's not a particularly popular figure with other England cricketers currently, and I can understand why. But I don't think we can get too kind of self-righteous or put him in this team just because you don't like him, having never met him. Fine. But I'm no Morgan disciple, so I'm still going to vote for Hales. But it's fine. That means life gets the spot. I think you, need to, do a, you need to do a secondary episode on, on, uh, based purely on poor character. <laughs> well then we probably include some of England's finest test cricketers so. yeah <laughs> the batting the batting might be a bit stronger put it that way there we go here's our team I'll run for, we'll go in batting order so we've got um, Adam Lyde and Ed Smith opening the batting Ed Smith as captain and chief selector fittingly um, at three we have who we got at three I've had a, well Nick has actually just pointed at Joe Denley's quick info page going come on but I know. No, we can't, we can't resurface. Joe Denley does not get picked in our Rogue 11. No, no. The we, coffin of Joe Denley is well buried. Let's not yeah, bring that up. We like Joe Denley, so we're not having that. Yeah. Um, but so I'll, I'll, I'll run through it again. So we've got uh, Adam Lyde and Ed Smith opening the batting. Ed Smith as 
captain and selector, fittingly, of course. <laughs> he picked um, himself. <laughs> yeah, he did, and he's picked himself, fair play. Um, at three, Scott Borthwick, obviously played as a spinner for England at the time, but has migrated into a batsman, so I think he fits in well there. Uh, at four, we have Ben Duckett. Five, yeah. Usman Assal. Six, and wicketkeeper, Paul Nixon. And then we get into our wonderfully long tail of uh, Gareth Batty at seven. Oh, seven. <laughs> Mason Crane at eight. Darren Pattinson at nine. Amjad Khan at ten. And Jade Dernbach at 11. We've done really well there. Yeah, yeah really. I'm very happy with that team. Very the worst. The worst. You're right. Moeen deserves to be in that team. Who's our star player in that team? Who look at that team. If that team turned up to play England, there we say, oh, who, who's the player to watch? The one we think could do some damage. Ben, ben Duckett's your, your danger man, I reckon, in there. Just in in many ways. In many ways, your danger man. I think Ben Duckett's your danger man as long as the opposition team have a spinner. Um, he, uh, he's on I think five. Darren Pattinson actually is probably leading the line as a seamer. He's <laughs> the one I'd have the most faith in. If we're getting pumped, he's the one I'm giving the ball because I think he can hold up an end. No, no, no. You're going to give it to Jay Dernbat to bowl a few slower. Take the pace of it. <laughs> yeah. I reckon if, if we were in, you know, on a tricky subcontinent wicket and we could bowl the opposition out for 35. Um, we haven't picked our best spinners. We picked our roguish spinners. Like we picked Gareth Batty, who did terribly in the subcontinent anyway. But Batty's a great, great head to have in there as well. Purely just for the psychological element of it, cycling the batsman out, just talking. You mean just yelling at them? Yeah, exactly. That's we need him in there. If there's one, if there's one serious point from this conversation, it is that England need to find a good spinner. Right, is, we've already that... found one. Don't worry, Linus. They just need to pick him. Oh, <laughs> And I do think there's a point where, yeah, it does just highlight the weakness of spinners and spin options in, in English cricket. Generally, there aren't that many to pick from. Those who do get picked, get picked too early. And our systems don't allow sufficiently for um, like, yeah. our, you know, first-class structures and stuff for spinners to really, really thrive. Uh, and I think that's something we do, in all seriousness, have to, have to look into because it massively harms and hampers our... Um, when when did Ed, when did Ed Smith become chief selector? Was it twenty eighteen? Um, yeah, India when India came towards so twenty eighteen. Right, so I think yeah. So you actually look at his the people who've been selected in his time. He's done well. Like there's not been that many. There's not much chop and changing. A lot of favourite people. People have started to come through. You look at the people who've been picked in his time: Don Best, Sam Cohen, Ollie Pope, Rory Burns, Ben Folks, Joe Denley, Jason Roy, Ollie Stone. Joffre Archer, Dom Sibley, Zach Crawley. It's a pretty decent success rate. And Very the ones who haven't done well may well come back. They're, and they're there are thereabouts. They're around the squad as well. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, very good. He has, he has been, I think he's been done really well. And there is, there's far more, you feel there's more logic. Sometimes they get a bit confused by the, the seamers and how they rotate them and why they rotate them. So why Curran played that last test, why Archer's back at like. Some of that, I think, lacks a bit of coherence. But aside from that, the logic of who gets picked, when they get picked, why they get picked, how they brought in Pope and Crawley and have looked to give them time to perform. There's a lot of like, clear, heavy thinking about that, which I think we have lacked in the past. Hence why so many of our selections are from earlier. Agreed. Agreed. And the final thing, when you go on the uh, cricketers picked and the cricket info page for England Test Cricket, there's someone listed being, as being picked in 2020 called Alan Jones. I think actually was born in 1939, but according to this, he's cap number 696. So I don't know if he's been having a bit of fun with the Wikipedia page, but it hasn't been caught. So, oh, so 
<laughs> carrying the carrying the drinks, Alan Jones. Yeah, at eighty-one. He's now at eighty-one. <laughs> <Uncle> Morgan. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, look, many, many thanks, uh, Nick and Lana, for joining me and Michael for this. Uh, thanks for having us, boys. Very good. Well, no, look, um, enjoy your Sundays. Enjoy the rest of this test match. You think England are surely going to win it from here? And um, yeah, have a good one. Cheers, gents. Thanks, right. boys. See you.